Welcome to the Concierge Weight Loss Podcast, where I empower you to achieve your weight loss goals and live a healthier, happier life. I'm your host, Kara Hackelman, a dedicated weight loss coach and advocate for positive change. Join me as we dive into insightful conversations, expert tips, and inspiring stories to help you transform your relationship with food and your body. Get ready to embark on a journey of self-discovery and sustainable weight loss. And don't forget to stick around until the end for a special call to action that can kickstart your transformation. Let's get started. I'm so excited. Today we have Amanda Hess with us. I'm going to have her introduce herself. She is a coach and I want to make sure that she gets uh, to say exactly what her business name is and who she helps. So I'll let you go ahead and take that from there, Amanda. Oh, thank you, Kara. So yeah, my name is Amanda Hess. I am a certified life coach for neurodivergent women. I like to say that I'm a self-love coach for neurodivergent women specifically, and I help them. Typically what I'm helping my clients do is get out of emotional distress. Um, My business name is Amanda Hess Coaching. Pretty simple. My name's sort of all over everything. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I want to ask you, so I think I'm pretty familiar with neurodivergent. Um, my son had, uh, was diagnosed with ADHD. I, I think I missed the boat on the diagnosis, but think that might've been an inherited trait from me, but I don't know how all that works exactly. What, what does neurodivergent mean exactly? Cause I think it's being used more and more, but I don't know if actually everybody knows what that word means. Yeah, I would say if you asked any certain person, they'd probably all have a different answer. Um, How I define it is that your brain doesn't work the way that the world is set up. So the way that your brain works runs into resistance when it comes to how society and the world wants you to perform. That's how I really look at it. We get into these places where there are roadblocks, where we're being told to do something in a certain way and we can't do it and we don't know why. Okay. And so neurodivergent doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a diagnosis of any kind. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, it's not a medical diagnosis. So it really is just simply how people are sort of self-identifying. So you will talk to some people that will say that it's really just for people that are ADHD or ASD. But now there's been this growing acceptance of psychological diagnoses and then just self-diagnosis, you know, just this, I think that what we're starting to experience is that there's a lot of people out there that are starting to realize that the way that their brain works doesn't necessarily fit in to how it's kind of told to us, how we are being presented in this way of this is the way that you do it. And we look at it and go, I know that it really is difficult for me to do it that way. And I don't know how to make myself do it. And so then we try and we try and fit and we try and fit and we try and fit. And it's, it's kind of, I look at it as grinding gears almost, you know? And so then you start not getting the results that you want in your life and you start questioning yourself and you start not believing in yourself and you start having this negative experience of your own life. And that can get really out of control. And for, you know, most of the people that I help, I would say, you know, by the time you've hit middle age, you've got coping mechanisms, but they might not be the best because they're not really giving you the life that you actually want. Yeah. So what I wanted to, the reason why I was so attracted to you 
For one, I think that I have always thought things a little differently. I I run a little, uh, I say that I have, um, I, I operate at a higher frequency than most can handle. And so <laughs> you laugh, so you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I don't have any kind of diagnosis, but I, I loved that neurodivergent has been, um, I guess becoming so mainstream talked about and commonplace that that word keeps coming up and up and up. And it does mean so many different things, but it's not an excuse. It's an explanation and it helps with understanding and to feel, um, normal when you don't feel normal, which is kind of what I have loved. It like brings some understandings and explanation to why things don't feel normal to you, which bring some normalcy. So that is mm-hmm. one of the things that grabbed me, but you have all over your stuff, self-love, self-love, self-love. And as a weight loss coach, I have so many clients that struggle with self-love. And so when they think that we talk about like how to love ourselves, they think that that feels egotistical to love yourself. It feels um, like you're selfish or that you you are you are making somebody else or something else less than by having some love for yourself. Yeah. So how do you see since you're that is so your niche is to like be right there with the self-love with people? Um, how do you see that contributing to weight loss self-love? You know, I think that what ends up happening is for one thing, when it comes to weight loss, it's very complex, right? Because it's, it's about appearance, but it's also about health. And then it's about taking the time to spend on yourself and really giving yourself the time to work through the things you need to work through. And what I find when it comes to self-love is that there's some confusion about what self-love is, because if you think about what is love, love is not an action. Now we can take action from love and that can create some really beautiful results. But I do believe that a lot of us think that love is something that is either given to us or received from us. And I mean, you can argue either way, but what I like to think about when I think about loving myself is it's not, it's not something you do. It's something you feel. And when you can start looking at it from that standpoint, I think you can uncomplicate it a little bit because nobody is going to be able to tell you what the right actions are for you because everybody is different, but to love yourself, I think before you can even start down that path, before you can even really consider it, you're going to have to figure out what are you thinking about yourself and what emotions are those bringing up for you? And then what do you do with those emotions? Right? Because when you do, I mean, I know that you've probably done this with clients. I know I just did recently yesterday, I was coaching a client on body image and, you know, it was really interesting because she is a very much a doer. And I bet a lot of your clients are like that too. Give me the diet. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Yeah. And they just want to do, 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 do. And then they want to beat themselves up when they can't do it. 
And this client is very much like this. I mean, she's got two young kids. She works a very full-time difficult job and she's struggling with just volatility in her emotions. And when we were talking about body image and I asked her, but what do you actually think about yourself when you look in the mirror? She immediately broke down. And I know for her that felt terrible, but I know for me, I was like, that's the answer. That's where we start. That's where we begin. So I just, I know this is a long answer, so I'll stop no, talking soon. It. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I look at it from the standpoint of you can't love yourself until you know what you think about yourself. Until you know what you think. Hmm. I don't know what you think about that, but <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just simmering on it for a second. I, I definitely believe it. And I think, uh, you know, cause we're always our own first client is how this works. And so I am, I'm, I'm picturing somebody listening being like, but what do I do? Like they'll listen to everything you said and say, but what am I supposed to do? Like, yes. if I don't know how to do this, like, I don't know how to do this. They're looking for something to do. Mm -hmm. So like the do would be in this case to take time to think on what you think about yourself. Yeah. And I would get so really specific, right? So if you want to do it with body image, which I think probably a lot of your clients body image is, is potentially one of the biggest things they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I like to give my clients the homework of looking at themselves in the mirror mm -hmm. and no, you don't have to be naked. You don't have to do anything crazy. I'm not going to make you do anything like that. But what I notice is that people do drive-bys and I know this because I used to do them. And when I start feeling uncomfortable with how I look, make sure I start you tell us what a drive-by is. Drive-by is like you look at yourself in the mirror, but it's a very quick glance, you know, oh yeah, my hair's okay. Body's there. Not going to look at my body. Clothes seem to match. I'm done. Right? Like we don't so you're look, saying, we don't look. We're going to park for a minute in front of the mirror, not just do a drive-by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then like, just look head to toe. What yeah. are you saying? And then just look and see like what emotion is coming up for me right now. And a lot of times I will tell you from personal experience, because this still happens for me. And I think that people think that self-love is a place that you get to, mm -hmm. and it is not self-love is a dance that you learn how to dance and you're always working on the steps. And that's how I really like to look at it. So when I'm looking in the mirror, what do I feel? Revulsion, disgust, um, frustration. You know, they're really hard, heavy, negative emotions that are hard to hold. Yeah. And the first step is just knowing what they are. And, you know, when I'm talking about self-love with a client, I always give an emotion wheel, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that your emotional vocabulary needs to grow. Yes. And so when, you know, you look at it from that standpoint, for a lot of clients listening, I know, I know you're like, what do I do though? But I'm, I'm really trying to instill that what you do is you slow down and you get curious about yourself because the only way you can love yourself is if you know yourself. And we have gotten to a point in our lives, especially I feel once you hit that middle age, like I just really notice it, right? You just yeah. start hitting 35 to 45. And then all of a sudden you have just coping mechanisms. Yeah. And 
a lot of those coping mechanisms, they work a little bit because they help you not feel right to a, an extent. You know, I think that when, you know, you're dealing with things like weight loss, I know that my personal experience has been my Achilles heel has been eating when I'm buffering. Mm-hmm because it feels good to eat because I get that pleasure. I get that hit. And that's because I haven't really taken the time to really figure out what I'm feeling so that I can really address it and then be loving towards myself, towards the path to help me through that. I don't know if that helps. Is that going down a path that's totally in left field? No, I, we just have starting ideas and then I love it always goes wherever it needs to go. So that was perfect. I, um, I, oh, I remember what I was going to say. I I made notes and I forgot the one thing I wanted to actually say to you. When you were talking, you were talking about, um, it's important for them to know what they think. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many people I start with who don't even have an opinion. Like they've not allowed themselves to tap into an opinion. And so like, I like to say, like, I get into decision fatigue and I don't want to decide where we're going to eat sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like, I think as you start, just being curious, what is your opinion? You don't have to share it with anybody. It doesn't mean you're going to change someone else's mind or like you have to create a certain opinion. It's nothing political or anything like that, but just like, do you have a preference? You've had, you've heard that, uh, it was in one of the movies. Um, was it runaway bride or something? How do you like your eggs? And it was always, however, the other guy liked his eggs that she dated. Yes. And so I think part of that self-love is knowing how you like your eggs And so like, what do you think? What do you think about your body? What do you think about your life or how someone is talking to someone else or all of the things that you, you can just have an opinion on. It doesn't mean that they're wrong or right. It's just, what do you think about it? And so tapping into some of that, like, what do I even think? I don't think people, especially women have been always given that opportunity to, to have an opinion. I mean, growing up, my mom was, she was raised this way. And I remember her telling me this, like your children are to be seen and not heard, you know, mm-hmm. and then women are supposed to be pretty and make the dinner. And so like, not to get too much into, you know, how the patriarchy and all the other things, but like women in general have not always been given voices and encouraged to have them. And I think that that, especially with some of my clients, like then when you're like, what do you think about your body? It's like, well, my husband says, or my mom said, And so, or society says, I don't match what's on TV. And so there's all of that. So it's hard for them to know what they think. I think that that's a better question than what do you like? I was actually thinking about this um, because I'm putting together a training. And one of the things that I do ask my clients is what do you want? What do you Mm -hmm. like? And when I ask that question, inevitably it will end in tears for the person on the other side, because they don't know the answer. And then they feel panic because they don't know the answer. And of course you don't know the answer because you haven't actually asked that of yourself for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially for women that are parents in particular, but I'm sure for all women, but parenting in, in particular, I just notice it, right? Because we live for our kids. And then I think sometimes, you know, we live for our job and we live for our husband, like you say, but you don't learn to live for you. I think men have a different experience of that. I do actually think a lot of men 
are taught differently. They're socialized differently. But for women, I do think you get to a point where you look around and really like that movie comes to mind, right? Is this as good as it gets? Mm -hmm. Like, is this it? Have I arrived? And is this what I'm looking at now? And, you know, what do I think? I think, yeah, you have to start small, give yourself a couple minutes to answer that question and let it just be uncomfortable. Just notice that it's uncomfortable, but don't judge yourself for it being uncomfortable because yes, I do think it's a loving thing. Like that is such a loving act to ask yourself, what do I think about this? Mm -hmm. And then when you don't know the answer, when the answer in your head is literally, I don't know, don't panic sit in the feeling of overwhelm or confusion. Overwhelm and confusion are very unsettling emotions. They don't feel great, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that anything's gone wrong. And the more that you ask yourself that question, you will start coming up with answers because all of a sudden it'll be in the background of your mind. And you will be asking yourself that about lots of different things. And you'll start realizing, I actually do have an opinion. I just haven't been listening to it and that's okay. I'm thinking like that card game, would you rather would be a fun place to start for some people who are like, I don't know what my opinion is. Okay. Well, would you rather this or this, you know, have you seen yeah. that game? That might be a fun, bring it to a coaching one time and just pick a card and say, <laughs> and then explore such a why. Fun thing. Yeah. You could do that on a group call even. And that would I, be actually hilarious. I think that could be a lot of fun. So self-compassion is going to go along with self-love. And I think that's another one that people are not always used to practicing. How, how do you work that in with your clients or how would you see like in weight loss, how self-compassion could be, you know, a critical skill to learn Mm -hmm. how to do it? Well, you know, I think that most of us, what we defer to is Mm self-judgment and because of just the way that our brains are set up, not because you're, you know, somehow messed up as a person, we have a negative bias. So we, we judge in a negative fashion. So our go-to our set point is going to be negative judgment. So we don't have to work harder to have more negative judgment. That's not required. It already happens. The problem with negative judgment though, is that it brings along emotions like guilt and shame. So let's say you overeat or you eat off plan or you don't work out, you know, whatever it is for my clients. Sometimes it's like you lost it on your husband or your kids, or, you know, you didn't make it out of bed to do the thing you said you were going to do, whatever. Um, We want to judge ourselves and we feel like that's the right thing to do that that's the way that you do it. And we've been taught that too. We've been socialized that, you know, just how we've grown up in the world. But what I've really noticed, and I know you know this too, is shame and guilt shut us down. Mm -hmm. They do not allow us to be curious. They do not allow us to have a better understanding of why it happened, of what was going on, to find the nuance in the situation, to find understanding. And that's why it's a problem. It's not that it's wrong. It's just that ultimately it's a, it feels terrible. So I feel like it should be wrong because it feels so bad and nobody should do that to themselves if they can help it, but it's also just ineffective. So if you are looking to do something that's effective, that is actually going to work, then self-compassion is going to allow you to not immediately want to shut down. 
And you're going to be able to look at it and go, okay, it's okay that that happened. You know, I'm not in a race here, but I'm going to look at this and, and really think about why did I eat off plan? Like, what was I feeling? What was happening? What was really going on? And you can start problem solving from that place because you didn't do it because you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. You did it because something happened emotionally that triggered that. And that to me, like compassion is that compassion is openness. Compassion is working with yourself, being a good partner to yourself. And that is going to just, it's going to impact your life in such a major way. And here's the thing about self-love and self-compassion. It's never a set point. So anytime you notice that you are in self-judgment and just start even asking yourself, right? Am I being judgmental here or am I being compassionate? You can just ask yourself that question. Notice, oh, I'm being judgmental because then we can get judgmental about being judgmental. So we have to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can just recalibrate. Oh, I'm just going to recalibrate into self-compassion and I'm going to see what happens. And you can just constantly do that throughout your day. Just tap into compassion, tap into compassion. And what you'll notice is that it will grow It'll grow your ability to problem solve for, you know, what's happening for you, whatever that might be. Yeah. I think that that negative self-talk, it, it just comes up automatically. And so the shame and judgment that you're talking about, I don't, um, I don't tell my clients that like, they shouldn't feel that because then that just feels like another thing they're doing wrong, but yeah. instead let it just be kind of like your, you know, your morning alarm clock, your, you're feeling this and you notice it because it's something that we absolutely, it's like hearing, hearing, you know, your, your parents' voice when you're a child or your, you know, someone who you love their voice, you can pick it out of a crowd, like that shame and judgment. We can hear it in a crowd of all of our thoughts and feelings. And so it's really just kind of like a little mental alarm clock, like, okay, you know, it's time to check in with myself. And so instead of being like, I can't ever feel shame and judgment. Okay. Well, it's a natural, normal feeling. And so like, it's, what do you do with it next? And so yeah. just check in. Why, why is it there? Did you do something that you're not proud of? Did, you know, you not handle something, you know, if, anytime you can take even a sliver of ownership, I think we're so quick to want to get out of those um, uncomfortable feelings that we have that we just are like, okay, we either sit in it or we like, and do nothing, or we take all the ownership in the world and then do nothing and feel terrible about it. And it's like, what can you take ownership for? And then what can you be very compassionate, very forgiving for? And I like, I'm a mom. I like to think of like how I would have responded to my kid. Like when he was little, he's 20, my kid's 23 now. He's a grown man, but like, like when he was young, I would be, you know, like there were things that were not right that he did but it wasn't like ridicule and demeaning to him. So I like to think about like, how would I have lovingly, gently encouraged and like redirected him? And that's mm -hmm. what those feelings a lot of times come up for is like, okay, yeah, I did do something that I didn't intend or I, you know, I'm feeling bad about something. And it's like, okay, how can we like lovingly put our own arm around ourselves and then say, how can you do different next time? Great. You learn from it. That was, that was the biggest punishment you needed was to take five seconds to learn what you could do different next time. 
Well, isn't that just the most effective thing, right? I know for me, like my kids aren't adults yet. I have a 17 year old and a 13 year old. And I can tell you that parenting a 17 year old is an adventure. And um, I have really learned parenting is such a lesson. I, I really think you just learn so many lessons through parenting. If you can be open to learning the lesson and um, what I've noticed and, and my 17 year old is diagnosed ADHD. And so I just find it really interesting with him. If you try to be really authoritative with him, it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. And it's such a picture of what's true for us because I really think about a 17 year old boy. They're just emotions on the outside. I think of that feeling like inside out and it's like feelings are in charge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so when you are, I think also when you're in an activated state, um, when you are really in a stress response, which happens to people without them knowing or really understanding it, you are going to want to be really gentle with yourself and come back to tools that really work for you. Right. And I, I mean, I think I'm sure you provide these tools for your clients, like nervous system regulation, things that you can do just drop out of your head and into your body. Yeah. And I also just want to mention that as far as like negative thoughts and having, you know, just that negative voice, something that for neurodivergent people that I think is very common is we have a brain that never shuts up mm -hmm. ever. It's just always talking. <laughs> so it's a, it's a wild thing when people tell me they don't have that. My husband doesn't have that. And I'm so confused by it. I'm like what it's quiet in there. It's so weird. I just don't get it. Tell me more, but I don't, I agree with you that it's like a party. And so the voices are coming and they are there. But I don't think we have to focus on the voices. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That's that. That's the trick is recognizing I can build a new voice. And I do think, you know, when it comes to things like your body image and, and how you think about yourself, once you know what you are kind of thinking and you understand that there's things about yourself that you actually really don't like, you can decide to like them. And then you can decide what is the relationship that I want to have with me. And you can build that and you can build thoughts that you put together that you say to yourself and they are very true. You want to believe them. This isn't just some random mantra that somebody comes up with. This is something that you're like, I really want to believe this about me. Maybe it's I'm beautiful or it's I'm attractive or it's, you know, I've done enough today, whatever it is. And you tell yourself that. And you look yourself in the eye and you feel it because I really feel like connecting the feeling is what will have the biggest impact. I think with that, with my clients, they would, they would want to feel beautiful, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to start with themselves. They would want to feel beautiful to you or to someone else or, you know, but, uh, they don't. They don't know that they want to feel beautiful for themselves. They want to be, they think that they want it from other people, that external validation kind of mm -hmm. thing. And so I would almost say like, if, if like you're hearing this and you're like, like, I don't want to think of myself as beautiful. Maybe where you're checking in is what do you want other people to think about you? And yeah. then that's what you need to be like feeding yourself for those, like, you know, delicious thoughts like more often. And so like, you might not realize you want to be told that from yourself, but you do know you want it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so that's where maybe like finding a starting place with some of those 
kind of things, how to know what you even want to be told. Yeah. And I would say that that's why also coaching is so powerful, right? So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't know how to do that, then you should be like looking Kara up. You should be signing up to have a call with her. I don't know if you do calls, but you know, you should be, you should be reaching out because if that's something that you want, but then you have no idea how to get there. Coaching is how you get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember, and I, I, I'm sure you'll have some kind of story too, because anybody who's come through coaching, like we didn't know what it was at some point. And then the reason why we're coaches is because it was so life-changing for us to like have an idea of what we think or what we don't think. And, and realizing it's, it's like having a recipe when you don't have a thought about yourself, that is kind of a core belief in there. It's like making a recipe without one of the ingredients. (laughs) And so, you know, like a critical ingredient. And so you just keep trying to make the recipe and you don't have that ingredient, which is like you not feeling loved or you don't feel enough or you don't feel desired or attracted, attractive. And then you're trying to make brownies without flour or, you know, I know they make them all kinds of crazy ways now, black beans and sweet potatoes and whatever, but like whatever it is, you don't have a core ingredient there. And so coaching helps you like pick out, like, by the way, did you notice you were missing this ingredient? And then like, let's figure out figure out why it's not in there. I'm loving this. This is fun. Podcast mm-hmm. guesting is one of my favorite things, like having people on to get to like collaborate and share ideas, even though we're so different, we help completely different groups of people, like getting to get to come together with that for sure. I was kind of looking, did you have anything else you really wanted to address before I find something else? I don't think there was anything I really wanted to address per se. No, we can cover anything you want. We talked some, we brushed on this. So yeah, there were two more I really wanted to talk about. One of my, and so you're talking about self-love. We've delved deep into body image kind of stuff at times. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite commercials, do you remember the Dove commercial where it had women of all sizes, colors, skin textures, all the things, and they're all in their underwear on the commercial. Do you remember that? I totally do. Yeah. Um, I think of like, cause you know, I, I am heavily marketed on social media. And so then you're seeing all the things on social media. And I remember like that inner core experience when I saw that Dove commercial for the first time, thinking like how beautiful that was. Mm -hmm. And like, I could think like, they are so beautiful, you know? And I thought, wait a minute, but they're all different sizes and shapes and some have scars and some have, you know, different things going on. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, it was the lighting. I have to explain it away, right? It's the lighting. And so I look at now how we're so close into these filters and things like that, but how do you get to where you can keep that? Or even should we keep that like where all the bodies are beautiful and all the colors are beautiful without having to explain away, but it's a filter or it's the lighting or like, I don't know. It's a lot of work. I think it's a lot of work. I'm not here. You are, you're totally making sense. I, you know, I, I do think it's a lot of work. Like 
I, I, I don't know. I put up, I put a Facebook post up and then I, I ended up deleting it just because I didn't like the direction that it went. It was on my own private Facebook page. And I had said something to along the lines of imagine if we spent as much time and money on our emotional wellness as we did on having a smooth forehead. And it was so fascinating, the comments that I got on there and it was all about Botox and I'm not anti-Botox at all. Um, but I just, it was fascinating. And I finally just, I just didn't want to have that conversation. And, you know, the reason why I think is because we are, mar it's not just that we're marketed to, we are raised in the soup of how we should look. And it's, ever changing, first of all. So just when you think you might have it, you know, made, then they change it again. Also, we're getting older. So I'm finding, you know, I'm going to be turning 48 in February. And so I'm finding that aging is not something that's really looked upon kindly by the world, like looking like you're getting older, mm -hmm. um, having wrinkles, having your body change, having things just be different for you. When I say it's a lot of work though, it's, it's work that has great benefit. So what I find is that I have to be, first of all, very conscious of my diet when it comes to what I consume. And I am perpetually unfollowing and muting people constantly, um, on muting ads, ensuring that I am blocking anyone that just really anything that triggers me even slightly when it comes to my body image is gone. And I really believe in that because I think what you consume is very, very important. And if you're always consuming um, before and after pictures of people that are, you know, overweight and now they're skinny. And if you're constantly consuming that, your brain is picking that up and eating it and processing it. And already you have a bias towards this being a problem. So it just makes it bigger. So that's part of it. And I know that's very C-line you know, circumstance, circumstance level work, but that's a big part of it. And then the other part of it is I'm very clear with myself. What do I want to think about myself? Because I think about the version I like to go back. I don't do inner child work or anything like that, but with myself and even with my clients, I'm like, I go back to like 15 year old Amanda, you know, she's like all legs. And I remember, I will never forget this. I worked at a stable um, I rode horses and clean stalls and whatever. I mean, I was so active. It was ridiculous. And this people, these adults were gathered around and they looked at me and they're like, oh, you have childbearing hips. And at the time I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what? Who? I look back and I'm like, who says that? Yeah. And so I am subconscious to this day about the size of my hips and it's wild, right? But I think about that girl and I'm like, what would I say to her when I was looking at her? What would I say to her? And it like, I can get emotional thinking about it right now. Cause I'm like, I would say you're beautiful. You look amazing. I'm so proud of you. Don't even worry about how you look like go live your life. Right. That's what I would say to myself. And so that's what I choose to say to myself. Now I'm heavier. I don't look like I'm 15. I do not care. I yeah. choose to be the partner to me that I deserve. And I deserve that. And everybody listening to this, and they deserve that too. Yes. So I love that you just walked us through that because people who are listening and are not familiar with coaching, they don't even know how to figure out what they want to hear from themselves. We talked about that. And so you just walked us through like, 
when did you remember it? I was 15 year old and someone said something and you're like, and it really bothered me. It really triggered me. You can do this for any age, even right now. Somebody has said like, my favorite is when someone says you look really good today and people only hear the today part. And you're like, cause I don't every other day. Yeah. You can ask what, what would I rather them have said? And even then get curious, like why, why is that better than what they said? Like, what am I, why am I having such a problem with this? You know, like even back then, like you were, you're able as an adult to tell yourself like what, what you would rather have been told or what you would tell a 15 year old that was, you know, hearing this for the first time. And then like, but why did it bother you? You know, like, yeah people can say whatever. And like, why did it bother you so bad? And so like at 15, surely like, like we just have, we're figuring ourselves out in the world. You know, I don't know that that really, I know that that, I know that those are such formative years when we're, you know, that preteen junior high age, you know, for girls, especially, but like, I think that all we do is our entire life is just refigure ourselves out, right? When, like you said, with, with wrinkles and everything else, right? When we think we're starting to kind of get the hang out of like how we look, then things all change. The style changes, everything changes and we have to do it again. And I think it's the same way with how we think about ourselves. Like, right. When we think like, yeah, yeah. Then like some, a new job happens or we became a mom or we became an empty nester or we got married or divorced or whatever. Something like changes all the playing cards. And you think I just learned how to play this game and now I have to learn again. Yeah, it's true. I have sometimes when I put a model up for my clients, um, I'll keep this PG rated. I will just, and I don't know if your listeners are familiar with models per se, but I don't use the word model, but like that, how we think creates, how we feel creates what we do. And all that is where we get our results from. So that's what she's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So usually when we use that tool, we use one specific circumstance and it's, it's really just an op opportunity to create some awareness. Right. But I'll say to them, there's the funnel of poop sometimes that is running through that model. So mm -hmm. up at the top is the funnel of poop. And that is, it's like, those are all the things that are happening in your life. And there is a lot of things happening. And so the poop is the things happening. Through. Yes. Your kids didn't pick up their room. They're smart off. Somebody at work isn't doing their job, put more on your plate, all the things that's the funnel that starts the poop, right? Yeah, exactly. And they're all contributing and they're all creating thoughts and they're all creating feelings and our brain and it's so busy. It has a big job to do. Yeah. So, and all of that is subconscious. That's like, we're not even thinking on purpose. That's just going on in the yeah. background. Right. And so then you, you really do where your opportunity is to create real change for yourself. I believe is finding caring things to think about you and it's just going to make all of it easier and making it easier is going to make your life better. It's going to make you show up better. It's going to make you eat better. It's going to make you go for that walk. That is going to be what actually creates it for you. And you know, it's so interesting to me. I don't know if I shared this with you, but I have a podcast too, right? It's mm -hmm. called how to love yourself no matter what. So it's for neurodivergent women. It's about self-love. And the reason why I bring it up is because somebody left a review on my podcast and they gave me two stars, which I mean, I wish they didn't bother me, but they just kind of do. And so she wrote in it. She says to me in this review, 
you know, I've listened to six episodes and all she talks about is self-love. And I think that there should be way more on accountability. (laughs) I just died laughing because that isn't the name of my podcast. Here's how we get accountable. And, um, the reason why I bring it up is because if you could respond to those reviews, which you can't in Apple podcasts, they just sit there. (laughs) I would have said, I don't think you understand what self-love actually is because I have yet to see somebody use the feeling of love and not create better results. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it happen. I mean, try, I would get on a call with me and convince me I'm wrong. I, I would love to, you know what I mean? The accountability is exactly what people come to me with. I need more motivation mm-hmm. and I need more accountability. And that's exactly what they think they need. And when they leave from working with me, they say, I guess it really wasn't a diet. I just really learned how to love myself better. <laughs> and so when they learned how to love themselves better, they're not overeating. And when they learned how to love themselves better, they went to bed at a decent hour so that they could lovingly give their body all the sleep it needed. They sometimes said no thank you to food or to people that caused them stress. You know, we are paying attention to how food feels in our body. And so that accountability thing really is another way to say, how can you make me do something that doesn't feel normal, that doesn't feel right in my body? I don't know how to love myself, but I do know how to punish myself. So accountability is just teach me how to stronger punish myself so that I can do the things. That's really what that person was like saying without saying (laughs) they, they, they recognize discipline and punishment. And so they want more of that from you because all of the love is like, it's just, it's icky. I don't, I don't know. Yes. (laughs) I did see that on, uh, I didn't see the post. I saw your social posts when you were talking about that one. So, all right, as we wrap up, I have two last questions. What what would be like the first thing or the thing that you want them to hear about going forward with this self-love? I think it's the first thing I want you to know is I want you to take on the personality of somebody that deserves it. I don't know if that makes sense, but because you're going to start with thinking you don't deserve it and that this is for other people and they'll even take it on, on how they should treat other people, but it's not for them. Yeah. You know, it is, I I say this all the time and I'm sure you do too. Self-love is a choice, but I don't want you to weaponize that against yourself that, oh, well, I'm not choosing to love myself. So now I'm going to beat myself up some more. Yeah. Uh, It's not that it's something though, that you might choose and you only might be able to hold for a millisecond and you just keep practicing. Yeah. You are so deserving. I love it. You're so deserving. Yeah. You're deserving of figuring this out. You're deserving of the time. I heard you in the beginning say love is not an action, but it could be taking the time Mm -hmm. you're, you're worthy and you deserve it. The time, the energy, the money, the thought, whatever it is you are worth all of it. You deserve it. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. How can they find you? So they're listening and they want to follow you or hear what the next thing it is that you're saying or doing. How can they find you? So I'm on Instagram. I'm most active there. Although my, for whatever reason, Facebook has become this like very big place for me lately. So you can find me there too. It's the Amanda Hess. 
And I have my own podcast, as I mentioned, how to love yourself, no matter what. And if you are, you know, neurodivergent, or, you know, somebody that is, that is really struggling, I am going to be running a masterclass next week. I don't know when you're, when you're putting this particular podcast up, it'll, but it'll gonna... be in February. Yeah. yeah. So that's okay. I'll be running another one in February. So okay. they can go to joinamanda.ca to find out more about that and sign up. If it sounds like something that they'd like to participate in, it's a, it's a free, a free class. What, it, what is it? The class is on. The class is on how to thrive with a neurodivergent brain in a neurotypical world. Okay. So accomplishment and all the love and all the things, right? Thrive. Exactly. How to like be in your brain and do things that you still like doing and not hate your life and get the results you want. <laughs> yes. Amanda, thank you for coming on and talking about all of this and sharing another perspective on how important it is and how to do it. So I appreciate this and I am sure my clients will love this too. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so nice being able to chat with you and I loved it. All right. Thank you. That wraps up another empowering episode of the Concierge Weight Loss Podcast. I hope you found inspiration and actionable insights that will propel you towards your weight loss goals. If you're ready to dive deeper and accelerate your progress, don't miss out on our free five-day quick start weight loss course. Head over to coachingcara.com forward slash free course to gain access to a wealth of valuable resources, guidance, and support. The time for change is now, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Remember, your transformation starts with a single step. Take that step today and unlock the life you deserve. Stay tuned for our next episode, and remember to keep striving for greatness.